Welcome to your IVF Abroad podcast, where I will share, educate and empower you on your journey with infertility and IVF Abroad. I'm Emma Haslam, your host, mum via treatment abroad and the IVF Abroad expert. Since the birth of my son in 2018, I have made it my mission to make fertility treatment more transparent, accessible, supported and affordable. I now help people around the world just like you to find a safe, best fit clinic, have fertility treatment and achieve their dreams of starting or expanding their families. And I'm here now to help you too. Hey, welcome back. Thank you for listening to Your IVF Abroad with Emma Haslam. Obviously, it's me, Emma here. Hey, how are you doing? Hope you're okay. Um, thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to my podcast. It, it means the world. Um, hopefully it's helping you. I've had um, lots of people contact me to say that it is. So for that, I'm really pleased. Um, and for those people that have already left me reviews and have rated the podcast, thank you so much. Um, and if you are enjoying the podcast and it's helping you, and you've got a minute, I'd love it if you could also do the same, drop me a star rating or leave me a review. And if you hit subscribe, then you'll be the first to know when the next episode lands. So thank you. I appreciate each and every one of you. So on to today's episode then, on to today's episode then, can't speak. Um, I'm going to be looking at five things I'd wish I'd known were so important before having fertility treatment abroad. The first one is probably really obvious, but super key. And that is research, 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 research everything. If you're going to be doing this yourself, then make sure that you do your homework and your research. You can go back and listen to some of the past episodes where I've talked about how to best find a destination and a clinic. But just to re-highlight some of those things, you know, really do your research in terms of a destination is it safe is it ethical is it politically unstable can you have treatment that sorry is it politically stable or unstable can you have treatment there is it somewhere that you want to go is it somewhere that you can get to and then in terms of the clinic is it registered is it regulated is it safe what are the reviews like um and while i don't suggest that you go based on another person's review getting a real sense of the overall reviews for somewhere is great and really digging into the detail and seeing what people are pleased with what people aren't pleased with and and really to see if it would suit you and if there's any red flags research in terms of any specialisms that you might need based on your um, diagnoses or if you don't have a diagnosis and you've been told you've got unexplained infertility you know where's best for you to go to try and get some answers researching timelines you know how long are you going to have to wait to have your treatment is there a waiting list is there no waiting list if you're having donation again asking questions to make sure that you understand the intricacies of having donation in that country and with that clinic um and how that affects things for you and any future children born just so that you're making informed decisions and as part of that research not being afraid to ask questions like I hardly asked any questions. Neither of us did really. Like 
partly down to confidence, I think, but also not really knowing what to ask. Um, because it's hard and it's a highly emotionally charged situation having a consultation or even just emailing clinics for more information. But please do not be afraid to ask questions. A lot of people I work with have had poor experiences elsewhere, be it on their own NHS or their version of an NHS in their home countries and sometimes privately or, you know, they've, they've had some negative experiences and it's made some people become quite accepting of of this as the norm and feeling fearful that they can't ask questions, that they shouldn't ask questions, that they should just be grateful for what they, they've been given. And I don't want you to feel like that. I want you to feel empowered to ask questions and not be afraid. And it's really good, actually, to kind of see how a clinic, um, what's the word, how they deal with being asked lots of questions. If you've got lots of questions, you know, are they nice and patient? Are they you know, um, open for more questions. All that kind of thing's really important for you getting a real sense as to what they um, what they are like. And that leads me nicely on to my next point, number two. You know, what is the communications like with a clinic or clinics that you are considering with, uh, considering using? This is super important, particularly if you're not using any external help to find a clinic um, and to plan your treatment and have your treatment abroad because you're on your own with that clinic and that communication process. And so it needs to be nice and clear. It needs to feel that it flows for you um, and that you do feel comfortable with them. Um, and, you know, finding out things like, is there an out-of-hours email address? Is there an out-of-hours um, phone number? Does your coordinator have a phone number? So you've got a really clear view of how you can communicate and in what circumstances should you choose that clinic. So you're never in a position where you feel like you've got nowhere to go um, because you don't understand clinics opening times or, you know, if there's an emergency out of hours contact, for example, if things aren't always happening between the, the nine to five and, and also obviously thinking about time differences with where you're planning on, ongoing um but comms is is really important you know you want clear and transparent communication i'm sure and while we appreciate that you know clinics might not be writing in our first language they're probably not you'll still very quickly know whether or not you understand things um and how helpful they are and how accommodating they are or, or not um and the next point would be to understand costs prior to agreeing to your treatment. So you can get a really good sense from the clinics prior to consultation about what the costs will be based on the treatment you think you're going to be having. Um, but as soon as you've had your consultation and you've got an agreed treatment plan, you should be able to get exact costings from the clinic. And you could be asking, is there anything else that you haven't included that will be needed or that may be needed? And if so, how much will that cost um, just to help you budget and asking them when things need to be paid by and at what point? Again, you don't want any, you know, it helps with budgeting, but you don't want any last minute stresses around money. And if you're working to a certain budget as well, then having this nailed down will really help you know what's left for things like flights, accommodation, etc.
My next tip would be, and I don't want to sound patronised when I say this, but it's really important to be organised. You know, when you're going abroad, if you're doing this by yourself and you're not using an external company like your IVF abroad to help you, for example, then you need to be really, really organised. Um, and also being organised, I think, helps you with that feeling of feeling out of control, which we all get um, during this time. doesn't matter where you're having your treatment. It's part of the process, I think. It has been for me and it has been for lots of my clients as well, all of my clients. And being organised, being able to put your control into that aspect of the journey really helps and also means you stay on top of things you're not missing appointments you know when things need to be done there's a lot to organize um and it can feel overwhelming when you're thinking about right i've got to organize flights accommodation um test for consultation ultrasounds um and it can feel like just too much medication you know there are lots of things that you need to organize all doable but being organized makes it so so much easier um, you know, little tips like having a special folder in your email for all of your clinic emails and saving everything, all of your correspondence in there. You might want to print some things out and put them in a file. You might want to get yourself a notebook to put everything in. Um, but staying organized will really, really help. And my final tip is thinking about your support network and what that needs to look like when you're going to be going through your fertility treatment. And that includes who you're going to tell and who you're not going to tell. Like we told everybody, everybody that would listen, (laughs) but I massively regret that because then when it didn't work, um, we had to then go and tell all those people why, you know, and I didn't want to do that. And I really, really regretted it. Um, And then it also means you get the, when you're trying again, when you're going ahead and it just felt like a lot of pressure. But obviously at the time, that's what I felt I needed to do. But in hindsight, it wasn't the right decision for me. Um, but it might have been better if I'd have got some external support instead. But it didn't exist. As I've said to you before, I was massively Googling, like, you know, support with IVF abroad. And there was just n- nothing coming up. Um, so I very much was on my own. And I didn't consider that you know, there were other professionals out there like coaches and counsellors. And actually that would have been really helpful for me. Um, I was just so desperate to kind of get to the next cycle and the next cycle, um, not really thinking about my mental health and protecting it. And when I had my son, I've talked about this before, I got awful postnatal depression and it was down to the trauma of infertility, the losses that I'd experienced and not really taking any time to grieve and stop for a second. Um, but also, I, I didn't consider for one minute that these things could run alongside each other and that, you know, having professional support could have helped me while I was going through all of this. I didn't necessarily have to stop, but I could have had that help. And I think it would have really helped me not to have got to the position of having postnatal depression. And I think I just presumed that once I became pregnant, that anxiety would stop. And actually, it, for me, it got a lot worse um, because I just couldn't actually believe that it had finally happened. Um, and I felt like that all the way through my pregnancy which is a real shame. Um, and so having some professional support would have been would have been really, really helpful. Um, and if that's an option for you and you think you want some sort of practical support with finding a clinic, with planning, preparing for treatment and the emotional handholding from someone like myself, then drop me an email at hello at yourivfabroad.co.uk and let's have a chat to see if I might be able to help you. 
Alternatively, if you're thinking more along the lines of a fertility coach or um, a counsellor, then, you know, there are lots out there to take a look at. You may only need a few sessions, but looking after your mental health on this roller coaster of a journey is so important. But if you don't have any budget for support, you know, looking at who is around you, you know, have you got a nice GP? Considering some of the online world for support, you know, it might be strange on the internet, but a lot of these strange on the internet are super friendly people going through similar things and who totally get it and get you and, and, and want to support each other. And that can be an option. You know, there's a large community over on Instagram, for example. I'm on there at Your Ivy for Broad. If you want to come over and say hello, if you're not following me already. Um, you know, none of this stuff really existed, to be honest, when I was going through this. But support in whatever format you need, make sure that you get some. Because that is probably, um, along with doing your research, two of my biggest tips and two of the things that are so important. And I really underestimated just how important they were. Also, part of that was naivety because I'd not been through something like this before and I didn't have the benefit of a podcast like this telling me to look at these things, um, you know, and you do. So that's great and hopefully it makes things feel more doable and less overwhelming um, because IVF abroad or fertility treatment abroad done right is a, is a great experience. Um, say one that saves you a lot of money one that can be so much more accessible without the waiting and one where you can enjoy some time away from home in, in a destination where you, you want to be. You know, you're not at the clinic all of the time. Um, and so just to have that kind of break from the stresses and strain of home and work and things can really, really help people's mindset. Um, you know, and there are some really good state-of-the-art clinics out there for the finding and by looking outside of kind of your local clinics which is what people tend to do in their own countries all of a sudden which I know is part of the overwhelm when you, you start to look outside of that and say for example take Europe you've got so much more choice and from a situation where it feels a lot of the time where there is no choice um it's lovely to finally I think have some choice um because ultimately you're paying for something and you should have choice. Um, and actually putting your energy into doing your research and your homework might really help you in that taking some control back. It helped me, it helped me massively. I know from my clients, like, they say the same thing when they, you know, realise that there's this world out there of, of opportunity and they're able to move things forward. They feel more in control. I work with a lot of people who have, you know, been told they've got unexplained infertility. That's their diagnosis. When actually we know that that just means that they haven't got to the bottom of something, um, which is so frustrating. Um, and, you know, there's a support out there for whatever your diagnosis or lack of diagnosis is. There is support out there. Um, so go and find your tribe, get some support and go forth, make inquiries about having fertility treatment abroad. A lot of the time you are not committed. Um, even after having a consultation, you're not committed. So what have you got to lose? 
by having a look. And if it all feels too much and you want me to help you with doing this, then obviously that's what I'm here for. Just drop me an email on hello at yourivyforbroad.co.uk and let's chat. So for me, for this week, that is all. I hope you found it helpful. I'm going to move on soon, she promises, to interviewing some other people so you don't just get sick of hearing my voice. Um, So I'll have to have a little practice. I'm also planning to try and maybe interview some people who have had fertility treatment abroad as well as speaking to other experts in this space. Um, But yeah, it's exciting and I'm really enjoying doing the podcast so far. We're already on episode 13. I can't believe it. So as I said, I will keep going for as long as it feels good. Have a lovely week and I shall speak to you soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to your IVF Abroad podcast with me, Emma Haslam. If you're interested in finding out if IVF Abroad could be right for you, then download my free checklist at yourivfabroad.co.uk forward slash who is IVF Abroad for.